hard work every day Not an easy mom, got no time to play Always on the go, you stuck on the flow But it's time for the show What's up everybody? Thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of your Not For Lazy Moms podcast I'm Monique Samuels What's up, Allie? Hey, how you guys doing? Girl, it's always the morning when we have to do a podcast That our kids decide they're going to act crazy how you doing, baby? I'm tired. I was up to 6.30 this morning. After Chase woke me up, I couldn't go back to sleep. So after I started bragging on how amazing Chase was doing with his sleeping routine, he decided mm-hmm. he was going to wake up at 3 o'clock. And he went back to sleep, but it always takes Chris a second to get back to sleep if he's waking up, you know? So that was crazy. Yeah, Chris, I'm with you on that. Like, my husband always comments. He's like, Sam was only up at midnight. Why weren't you able to go to sleep, you know, at 12.02? And I'm like, I can't. My body doesn't work like that. Like, I can't just close my eyes and fall asleep. It takes me a long time. Y'all are so similar. Y'all darn videos. <laughs> yeah, it was like, what, 6.15? I'm up eating crabs downstairs. <laughs> I was knocked out. Look, so today I'm really excited about this topic because we do have a lot of people who follow Not For Lazy Moms and we're always talking about relationships and, you know, Chris and I are married, Allie's married to Matt, very great, stable relationships that are normal. You know, we go through ups and downs, but I had some people comment and said, hey, what about us single folk? What about us people who have been married and then got divorced and we're still searching for love. So I have the most amazing guest today. Before I introduce her, I just want to read some of our points that we're going to try to cover today in this discussion. So like finding true love is already difficult for most people. So what do you do when you've already walked down that aisle and you've had children, you may or may not have had children, you know, and you really believed in that moment that you found your one, you found your soulmate only to discover that it's not working out. And now you end up getting divorced. What does that journey look like after that marriage when you decide that you no longer want to continue on? How do you deal with the pain of divorce? How do you overcome? What's next? What does that journey look like? So although I've not been down that road, both my parents, you know, they were divorced after being married for over 20 years. I know, Ali, you had that same situation happen with you. Mm -hmm. His parents are still together. They've been married for like over 40 years. So I wanted to bring this next guest. Her name is Winsor Williams, and I've known her for a very long time. Her ex-husband actually played on the football team with Chris years ago. And what I love about her is that she is an outstanding representation of a woman who impacts her community and she's making a difference. And she's speaking about everything that she's gone through in her life. She's an open book. She has uh, she's a full-time doctoral student. Um, she has been requested to be a speaker and presenter at several workshops. She has six books that she's written. She's a very well-accomplished author. And I want to go ahead and introduce everyone. Meet Winsor Williams. Hello. Hey. <laughs> today. Thank you so much for joining our show. And we have so many questions. We have so many questions. I'm ready. I'm ready. Thank you so much for having me. Chris, it's good to see you. you uh, Monique, thank you so much for having me. Allie, nice to meet you. So nice I'm, I'm ready. You. This conversation is near and dear to my heart. So I told Monique, I 
am not scared of questions. I pretty much tell everything anyway online, so it's not too much I won't answer. Um, but I hope that transparency really provides um, just encouragement and hope to those that are tuned into the discussion on today. So I'm ready. Let's go. Awesome. <laughs> so you can go ahead. Just go ahead and give us some of your background story. Um, you know, it's hard enough being married, but being married to an NFL player, some people don't realize it's a totally different life. It really is. And there's a lot of difficulty that comes in that. Chris yeah. and I didn't get, we didn't even get engaged until he was retired, which was probably a good thing for us. Yes. <laughs> but yes, tell us some of your story. So yes, uh, it is a different world. And for us, we came into the um, NFL straight out of college. So there's a lot of immaturity. I hate, I'm just being honest. And Chris, you could probably speak to that. These guys are still very much kids themselves in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of growing up that still has to, transpire but they're given all of this notoriety you know fame influence money and the women come it just comes with the territory it's like that in college we were married in college and so i saw that going through college we were married at 19 and so i was with him the entire time of his college collegiate career and uh we moved into the nfl and it was just a heightened sense of that uh in the craziest way possible but let me tell you, and I'm just going to be honest, I know we talk about, you know, you know when your partner is being unfaithful. I'm just going to speak to those that were clueless like me. I had no clue. In fact, if you had told me that an affair would have been the demise of my marriage, I would have bet millions of dollars that you were dead wrong. I was that confident in not being cheated on. That said, um, 2007 is when it kind of went downhill for us. And um, coincidentally, Monique, my parents actually divorced after 27 years of marriage um, in 2007. And so I grew up with a stable home environment. My dad was always there. He's still in my life. And so literally two to three weeks after receiving this news, also finding out that I was four months pregnant, I also found out that my ex-husband was having an affair with our nanny. And so you can just about imagine um, the devastation that uh, that hit my life. And so I like to share that because I don't want people to just hear, oh, she's an ex-NFL wife. She couldn't possibly relate. When I tell you my life went from an extreme high to a devastating low, I felt like I have been sucker punched on every level you could you know, imagine. And I was pregnant. And so I was vulnerable at that time as well. So I say the only bright spot in 2007 was my son being born in December. Uh, but I was very much struggling um, emotionally, mentally. Um, I, I, I don't say this lightly. I mean, I wanted to terminate my pregnancy because I found out that the lady was expecting as well. And so I was just like, this is just too much. I, I don't want to bring a child in this type of um, turmoil and dysfunction. And it was very much dysfunctional at that point. Uh, but I made a decision because at that time I had two other kids. And so as you guys know, you have a mom, you think of your kids first. And I didn't want my kids to come from a broken home. Um, granted, my parents divorced when I was 27 years old. So I, I grew up, I knew what the benefits were of growing up with both parents. So I didn't want my, my kids to go, grow up in a broken environment. So um, I made a decision to stay uh, most people will say, why? I, listen, it's easy to say what you will or won't do until you're in the situation. I was always that woman that was like, you cheat on me, I'm out. And here I was making a decision to stick it out, tough it out. Uh, we did enroll in counseling. Let me just say that we did 
enroll in both family, couples, individual therapy to try to see if we can make it work. That said, um, the affairs did not stop. I found out about three years later that there was another child born um, during an off-season game. And uh, <laughs> I, again, tried to suck it up as best as I knew how. Uh, about four years after that, I found myself in a pretty um, difficult situation, life or death situation. I was hospitalized for two weeks, fighting for my life. And um, a lot of it was because of all of the post-traumatic stress that I was dealing with from our uh, marriage pretty much um, breaking down. And so it broke me down. And so um, at that point, I discovered another affair after I got out of the hospital and made a decision to count my losses. Um, and I was like, you know what? At this point, I've done all I know how to do. I'm going to take my chances. And if I have to crawl before I can walk and walk before I can run, I'm going to go ahead and uh, move forward with the divorce. So I filed. And that really was a difficult decision for me. It's not something I obviously came across overnight. It took me seven years. Hear me when I say this, seven years to make that decision. And um, it hands down was the best decision I ever made because um, it just allowed me to give me an opportunity to heal find peace, um, find my own happiness, and, and really just figure out what I was meant to do in this life. And so that's just a little bit of history. And I have to say that so people understand uh, my experience and where I'm coming from. I'm not speaking to you from someone who just, you know, met someone, oh, it didn't work out, and this is kind of what it is. When I speak from a place of really knowing what it's like to move forward and, and rebuild your life and reinvent yourself, I'm seriously telling you from a place of like a depth of the valley that most people probably will never encounter in their lifetime. And so I like to say, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> wow. I know. <laughs> I mean, that is a lot. And you know, I always say in our family, we know when we've gotten over something, when we can sit back and laugh about it. Or we can sit back and smile about it. That's true healing. That mm -hmm. is true healing. And for you to go through all of that now, how long ago was it that you got divorced? When was so it? Our right. Our divorce was actually finalized in September 1, 2016, would have, would, which would have actually been our 15-year anniversary. Literally on the day that we got married, our divorce was finalized 15 years later. So I've been divorced. I was divorced. I'm remarried now, but I was divorced for four years. Um, so a four-year window in between that time and, and my now remarriage. Wow. Allie, did you have any questions before I go in? I mean, first off, I'm just trying to process that whole story. I felt like there was like, and another thing, and, and I just, Winter, you are truly amazing. And I feel like if there's someone listening who, you know, is going through something at their rock bottom, at their devastation time, I mean, you are an inspiration of, you know, the healing process and what that looks like and how this is only the, you know, it, it doesn't have to be the end. Right. And um, you're just, you're amazing. Wow. Thank you so much. I, you know, it took a long time. Hear me when I say this. I don't want to sound like some saint because I wasn't. I was about as bitter as they come. And those seven years that it took me to make the decision to finally file for divorce, I was probably so hateful, not even probably, I know I was as 
hateful to him as I could possibly um, muster because I was angry. You don't take that type of hit. You don't take that type of betrayal and walk away like, oh, yeah, we're good. Cheat on me again. Like, no, I was pissed. And he knew I was pissed. I was angry. And like I said, it began to really um, take a toll on me. My health took a huge hit. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And it. I went from walking one day to being completely incapacitated the next. Like, seriously, I, I couldn't even walk to the bathroom. And so um, after we finally got a diagnosis, the, the doctor said to me, do you see a therapist? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, you might want to talk to them about post-traumatic stress because I think this is a stress reaction. And I said, you know, I've never heard of post-traumatic stress other than, you know, veterans dealing with it when they get back from war. And he said, oh, no. People, regular people can have it. It's just a, a series of going through things that are traumatic. And it just, your body responds to that in different ways. And he said, I think that this is a reaction to whatever you've gone through. And so I remember going to see my therapist and she said, you are just wounded. And she said, this is going to be a long process but if you stick with me, I'll help walk with you and get through it. And so that wasn't without a lot of tears, a lot of, you know, screaming and crying myself to sleep at night. Um, I was really concerned about my kids. Hear me when I say this, when you are a single mom. Um, granted, now my ex-husband was still involved with our kids. He didn't turn his back on our kids. So I was grateful for that. But still, our kids prior to that point, prior to us being divorced, grew up in a stable home. So this was a huge shock to their system. And so I like to say we sometimes overlook the impact that divorce has on kids. It is very hard on them. And so we had them in therapy. It took a lot of therapy, um, faith. We, we I don't want to eliminate that. We are very big big on faith in our family, uh, but goodness, a lot of prayer. And we had a tremendous village. Um, Monique shared that, you know, we were both um, at the scans at the same time. I will say a lot of the wives that I was close to were like my safe haven. Uh, one of my friends actually flew my mom in for me because I thought I was going to like have a nervous breakdown. And so she literally was like, I'll fly your mom in without question. And that's what they did for me. Um, the night that I found out that he cheated, they paid for me to stay in a hotel with my kids just so we could eliminate the toxic environment that, you know, of course, something like that pops off. It's pretty crazy. So I, I had a tremendous uh, village. So I encourage people like a seek therapy. Don't be ashamed of how you feel. It's a very hurtful thing. Divorce, even if you don't go through what I went through, divorce is painful. And so it's painful for you. If you have kids, it's painful for your kids. And it's painful for those that have known you as a couple. And so a lot of people are impacted as a result of a, of a divorce, but I'm just proof that you can certainly get through it. And that, um, a better life is available if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm telling you, I really had to start from rock bottom. I lost my job. I, I literally lost my car. I lost my house. Like everything I thought I was doing to move forward within that first year of being divorced, it's like everything went downhill. So there was a point where I was like, wait a minute, should I have stayed? Did I make the right decision? Because things just seemed so crazy. But I just, you know, one day at a time is really all I all I committed to. And it just started to progressively get better the more I was committed to the process of healing and restoration. So here we are. And um, sure, move on with the next question. I don't want to leave here, but I just want to say that.
But yeah. right, you know, I'm glad you hit on the kids because that's what I was thinking about. You know, a lot of times I can't even leave the house without my kids asking me, Daddy, where are you going? When are you coming back? So yes. you know, that had to be really hard, you know, just dealing with the kids and the whole situation as well as what you were going through. So, you know, I commit to you just fighting through and, and you know, yeah. standing strong. You you advocate for your kids as a mom. Like if you're truly a mom, even as a, as a dad, I don't even want to eliminate dads because one thing I will say is that despite the the toxicity of our marriage, we did make a decision to collectively put our kids first. And for those of you that may be struggling with a difficult co-parenting situation, hear me when I say this, it's not easy, but I believe that kids deserve their best chance and they deserve for two parents to be adults, no matter what the situation is, and they deserve to be put first. And so we made a commitment that despite you know, me being completely disgusted with him, and he probably didn't feel very great about me considering my reaction to what he did. Uh, we always put them first. And so he stepped up. We have 50-50 custody. He has never, and hear me when I say this, he never missed his time with them. He has never missed a child support payment. He never missed an alimony payment. And trust me, it was not small. And so I don't make excuses for people who try to pit kids against adults as a way to get back. They don't deserve that. And so ultimately that comes back to bite you in the butt. Just keep on living because kids have a way of reminding us that we didn't do right by them. And so I always encourage parents, I don't care how you feel, you put them first. You put yourself in their shoes. They didn't ask to be here. They didn't ask for you to get a divorce. And so do your best um, to work together, get a mediator if necessary. We had one uh, when we were trying to work out some details with the custody agreement, uh, but find the support that you need to be the best parents that you can be despite not being together. They don't have to suffer that great just because you're not together. And sometimes we forget that in the midst of our own vengeance um, and try to seek revenge and get the upper hand. And I'm like, kids will always remember how you acted whether you forget or not. They will always remember that. And I will say my daughter will be 19 this month. So my kids are nine, almost 19, almost 17, um, 12 and 10. And so they're all by my ex-husband. I don't have any kids outside of that. So they're all by their dad. But my oldest daughter um, said to me, she's almost ni 19 in a couple of weeks, actually, October 28th. And she said, mom, I just want to thank you for being an example because you really could have did dad in and you never did. I never saw you, you know, bad mouth him. I never saw you try to like keep us from seeing him. And I just want to thank you for that because a another one of her friends was going in the opposite direction. Her family is just tore up because of a divorce. And she said, I just want to say thank you for really putting your big girl panties on. And putting <laughs> us on. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That's amazing because I know my parents didn't get divorced until I was like in my 20s, my early 20s. And it I know how that made me feel as an adult. So I can only imagine for children going yes. through that. And when my parents started dating other people, I was not nice at all. I mean, I was so mean and I was still even as an adult, still wanting my parents to be together. Mm -hmm. So that just brings me to like my next question for you. How are your kids dealing with seeing you in a new marriage? Um, it, I got a few questions. How are they feeling seeing you in a new marriage? Mm -hmm. Have you dated anyone before 
your new husband and how did they respond to that? And then the last question would be, is your ex in a relationship or a marriage? And how did they respond to that? All great questions. So um, I waited about a year to date before I started dating again. I felt like I just needed time to be alone after being, you know, 15 years in a marriage like I had. You just kind of want to breathe a bit. <laughs> you want to make sure you don't hate men. Um, so I didn't want to put that type of um, really that type of energy out there. And so I wanted to be mindful to just take the time that I needed to just heal and be alone and understand kind of what I wanted moving forward. That said, um, my kids are the most precious thing to me. And I mean that with everything that I can honestly say right now. So because of that, um, I tell people because of how I feel about my kids, meeting them is an ultimate privilege. You don't just get to meet me and say, oh, yeah, can I meet your kids next? And I walks you over to my house and, hey, kids, this is such and such. And so let me just if I can offer a piece of advice to ladies, to men that are dating with kids, meeting, having access, being around your kids is a privilege to whoever gets that opportunity. And you don't give that privilege to just anyone. And so it was a rule I had, unless we were in a committed relationship and I saw us going somewhere past past six months, um, you didn't meet my kids. My kids were completely unaware of who I dated, how long we dated, uh, what the circumstances were, could have been a fling, could have been a long term, just didn't matter. They didn't know, it was none of their business. It didn't concern them until it needed to concern them. And I say that because kids are very sensitive in spirit and you have to be mindful of that. And it's easy uh, oftentimes for them to, to attach, especially when they are healing as well. And so you want to be mindful of who they are attaching to. And so I always tell, especially moms, you have a responsibility to choose well, not just for yourself, but for your children. And so that was just the rule. So my kids, yeah, did I date? Absolutely. Prior to meeting uh, my current husband. Yes, I was actually engaged prior to meeting uh, my husband that I'm married to now. Didn't end well at all and um it led to why i remain so stickler about not introducing people to my kids because he was so ridiculously dismissive he didn't consider them at all he just sort of oh i don't want to do this anymore and we never heard from him again oh, <laughs> so, um it was just i was like uh-uh this is why you don't i don't introduce people to my kids um, so, yes, I did give my hand at love and I tried the dating thing. Um, my kids were always very open to me finding love again. In fact, my youngest, who is an old woman trapped in a 10-year-old's body, said to me, Mom, when are you going to get another husband? Because I think you've been single too long. <laughs> and I said, it just work like that. This is not a shoe store. You can't just walk into Nordstrom and say, hey, can I get a husband and bring him home? <laughs> so I said, you got to give mom some time. And I want to make sure that I make the right decision, not just for me, but for you guys. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I like to say for people who are dating kids, you can always tell um, really the true character of a person and how they really uh, respond to your children. Children don't lie. I'm so serious. They don't. They don't lie. They can they can call BS a mile away. And so I paid attention. Anytime I got to that point of where it was time for me to introduce someone, I told my kids, you know, I want you to meet someone. This is who mommy is, you know, dating right now. You have full permission to be honest. 
If there's anything that you pick up or you sense that just doesn't feel right in your heart, you have permission to come tell mommy, not in public, but in private. We'll have a conversation, but I don't want you to hold anything back. And so that was the way we rolled. I gave them the opportunity to fill them out. They weren't automatically forced into like a stepdaddy situation. Um, they got time to grow um, on, you know, have the person grow on them. And so um, what I will say about my husband now is that he took a vested interest in my kids. And so when I realized we were moving very quickly and made a decision, this is the first time I have made a decision to introduce him sooner because we were moving so rapidly. I was like, I can't just pop up and be like, hey, we're married. Um, I needed him to meet them. And so he took a vested interest. He spent time with each and every one of them. He, he asked me, actually, he said, I need you to tell me what do you think is the best quality about them? And, and what do you think that I could add to their life if I was to be a part of it? And so I was like, that's a heck of a question. Uh, so um, he was actually, you know, vetting me. He has children as well. So I, I understood it. And um, when he came into the picture, my son, my son is, is he's like the man of the house. Right. And so he said, well, who is this guy? And what is what is he what does he want to do? What does he want to know about us? Why does he why is he asking so many questions? And I said, well, he's just wanting to get to know you guys because he likes mommy and he's, you know, interested in taking this further. And he's like, well, I got to look him in his eye first. And if he can answer my questions, then I'll give him my permission. And I'm like, first of all, you're 16. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, okay, you know, I'll let you guys have a conversation. My son actually had a conversation with him, asked him, asked him direct questions. And um, I remember he was over to our house. We were actually making dinner. And my son pulled me aside and he said, you know, I tried my hardest not to like him, but I like him and you have my blessing. And I said, I appreciate that. Didn't exactly ask for your blessing, but I'll take, I'll take yeah. it. Um, but it just, I think you, it really takes time. You really have to pay attention. There are people who try to get in the good graces of your kids for um, negative reasons. So you really have to vet. I run um, reports on sex offenders. I Most people probably don't even think that way, but it's smart to do in this day and age. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you ain't on no list that I need to know about. Um, make sure you're not registered, you know, as some sort of murderer. I do. I really have to be mindful of that. I'm, I don't want to just bring anyone around my kids. And so I do do my due diligence. Uh, but I did. I dated before and um, had a lot of duds, kissed a lot of frogs. But it wasn't until the last year that I got really serious about not only discovering like what I really wanted, but being committed to not going against that. Like I was not settling. I didn't care if I was single until I was 85. Like I was just committed to this is what I want. I understand who I am. I know what I need and I'm not settling. And so either you come correct or you don't come at all. And so often as divorcees, we don't understand our own self-worth. And so we'll lower it because we feel like it's our only opportunity, our only opportunity, or this is our only chance, right? Let me hurry up and lock them down because I might not get another one. Uh, but I was out of that phase. I was like, you know, I'm doing great on my own. I'd rather be alone than be with the wrong person. And yeah. so I have a quote, I'd rather be single long than a married wrong. And so I stuck to my guns. Yeah. Just got really fortunate to um, have met my, my now husband and he was just the right person. Yes, I will even say that just dealing with 
dating in general. I remember when I made like a list of all these different qualities that I was looking for in a man. And because I was just over it at the time, my parents had gotten divorced. I wasn't thinking about marriage, but I said, you know what? I'm going to just write down some qualities that I think are important for me. If I find this person to make sure that they have that 100% of them, but at least about 75%. Yes. <laughs> no, so I don't want anybody that's supposed to be picture perfect because that never works. Mm-hmm. So I wanted someone that had most of those qualities. And I wrote this list and it was about 60 different qualities from, from no tattoos to like any random thing you can think about. And I let my parents see my list and they were like, okay, so basically what you're telling us is you're never going to be married and we'll probably never get grandkids out of you. <laughs> and I was like, Really? And then here he is. <laughs> you, you know what? Um, one question you didn't answer was, you know, has your ex, you know, remarried or whatever? I'm so thank you for bringing that up. I was trying to make sure I covered all of them. And, and oh sometimes God. I get to talk and I forget. Thank you for bringing that back up. So let me just tell you um, a couple years ago and, and a funny story that goes along with it. And he won't mind me sharing. So he actually started dating someone and he, this was the first time he had ever introduced anyone to our kids. He kept his dating separate too. That was an agreement we had. So our agreement is that when we get serious, we allow each other to meet each other's um, special people. And then we give the okay for them to meet the kids. And so there's no one that meets our kids that we're not aware of. And so that's just a courtesy that we extend. Not that they give a final say, but it's a courtesy. That's the other parent. And so um, he let me know he was going to introduce his girlfriend to our kids. And so they have been dating, I think, about a year at that point, not engaged, but dating. And so my youngest daughter, now, goodness, we had been divorced for at least two to three, yeah, about two or three years at this point. And um, he introduced her to the kids, and my youngest yelled out, oh, my gosh, you're cheating on mom. And he was, I mean, he called me. He said, I am absolutely stunned. I do not know where this came from. And I need you to talk to her because she is like undone, like completely undone by this. What was crazy to me was that I had already been like engaged by this point and unengaged. So she knew that we were free to see other people. I did not know where this was coming from. So I talked to her and I said, listen, you met dad's girlfriend today. Why, oh, why, oh, why would you say something like that? I said, you know, mommy and daddy are not married anymore. Daddy is free to find love just like mommy is. And I said, mommy knows about her and she's okay with it. And she said, well, I was just looking out for you. And so in her mind, she was still defending me. So you'll get that as a response with some of your kids, depending on if they're like a mommy's mommy's girl or boy or a daddy's girl or boy, they feel a sense of responsibility and obligation. So I took that as an opportunity to free her of the responsibility to defend me and to be free to love another person. You have to prepare your kids for dating. Let me just say that. You really have to prepare them. Don't just throw them into it. Let them know that you guys are both moving on. You will bring other people. You hope to find love and hopefully a bonus mom or dad. So they don't feel like they're in that precarious position of defending you if a new person comes in. Long story short, Chris, yes, they actually got engaged uh, back in April of last year. 
And so uh, my kids love her. I like her. I have nothing against her whatsoever. As long as she's good to my babies, she's good with me. And so um, they, they really do. Um, they're very fond of her. They really do like her. And so we've had success at just allowing each other to move on and not kind of mac micromanaging what we do. Um, I stay out of his business and he stays out of mine. We only <laughs> involve each other when necessary. And that's when we are needed to introduce, you know, the other people um, to the kids. He met my now husband before we moved forward. Um, they had a very, I was like, how do you get invited fishing? Like I, I have been, you know, in this in relationship and he never invited me fishing, but my, my husband got an invite to go fishing. So um, it's been a very successful uh, transition for us, but it hasn't been without ups and downs. Um, our oldest daughter had to have extensive therapy because she developed anxiety as a result of dealing with the effects of our divorce. And so we just have to be mindful to always put our kids first. I'm an advocate for mental health. My sister's a therapist. And so we, we actually work together to just try to develop initiatives that support women and children being healthy as they move forward and transition out of um, really, you know, the difficulties of divorce, because it's not an easy road. But yes, he has moved on. He actually moved on before me. And let me tell you, can I just be honest? Can I be honest? I felt some type of way about that. Yeah. Um, not because I wanted him back, but it's like, how in the world do you get the opportunity to move on before me and you're the reason why i'm in this situation so there was a part of me that had to reconcile um really feeling like he didn't get what he deserved like how do you get to experience happiness when you cause so much unhappiness in my life but then i had to be like but is it really worth it? Like, do you want to hold up your own happiness, holding that type of like unforgiveness towards a person? Mm -hmm. And the best revenge is just to move forward and find your own peace and find your own happiness. And so I had to reconcile that, move on, get past it. And I did, and I'm, I'm very happy for them. That said, I had no idea a following year later, I would be in my own, um, my own relationship moving forward because it wasn't something I had planned. It just sort of happened. And um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful the way for the way it turned out and it panned out. And so we actually end up, they're still engaged and we actually end up married before them, weirdly. Uh, but uh, that's just kind of, it's just life. So I'm grateful. Um, and the kids are happy. They, they like both of our significant others. So I don't think we could ask for a better outcome considering uh, the craziness that we came out of. Yes. Ali, Ali, I know you probably have some things that you want to ask as well. Yeah. Uh, first off, I, you know, I love how you communicated with your kids throughout the process. You know, it reminds me of an episode we did, you know, kids are people too. You, you didn't want to show them obviously like the, a lot of what was happening, but at the end of the day, like you still protected them, but at the end of the day, you were also incredibly honest and open and I just, I, I really admire you for that because all of that entire process of dealing with your kids throughout that could not have been easy. Um, personally for you, I, I wonder, you know, I hear your story and I'm so happy that you have found love and you just, you look like you're glowing and just so happy, you know, hearing you talk about your husband and stuff. How did you not bring your trust issues from your previous relationship into your current one? Like, you know, how did you go about that? So let me just say, I, I wrote a book 
back at the end of last year. And it was really therapeutic for me. Um, it's called Bold, Brave, Beautiful Love, Escaping the Cycle of Loving and Fear. And I realized a lot of my dating um, history, I was fearful because you don't go through that type of trauma being cheated on that many times and not carry that baggage with you. In the back of your mind, you're, you're always wondering when is the other shoe gonna drop because of what you went through and what you experienced. That said, I made a huge commitment to the process of healing. I cannot stress that enough. And so I just realized that as long as I thought that I was worthy, I would attract people who thought that I was worthy. And if they didn't think I was worthy, I had the right to dismiss them from having access to my life. And we don't always understand that when we don't understand our own worth. And so um, it was not easy. It, like I said, it took many years, many, many, many years. But I just made a commitment that I wasn't going to settle anymore. And like I said, writing that book was such a healing process for me. I'm going to be honest. I have this quote that I say, um, no one is perfect. We all have our issues. I love that you guys are transparent about that. Uh, we're not perfect. Even though we found love, we're not perfect. We both have been married before. And so you don't come, unfortunately, when you've lived any sort of life, you don't come baggage free. You just don't. Um, so I like to say, if you commit to a process of wholeness, when you get married, then you commit to a process of filling the holes in each other's wholeness. And so uh, we each have holes. We bring our own holes. Uh, but because we both committed to a process of healing, we just deal with those holes in a healthy way. And so I will tell you, I had a situation. Um, he did something and he had no clue. Uh, but it was something that triggered what my ex-husband used to do when he cheated. And I said to him, I said, can you just bear with me for a second? I'm having to process this because it, it just made me uncomfortable. And I know you have no clue what I'm even talking about. But can I explain to you where this comes from? And he was very understanding. He was like, well, let me just not do that again. I, you know, I didn't know <laughs> that this was an issue. And I said, it's not an issue. It's just a trigger. And it, it doesn't it doesn't bring back a very good you know memory for me. But I said that I own that. That's me. That's something I have to deal with. I don't want to put that on you. Uh, but can I can you just allow me the space to vocalize it and express how it makes me feel? And I think having a partner that can be supportive and understanding, um, not think, oh, gosh, you know, now you're comparing me to your ex. It's not that we're just human. And sometimes in our humanity, there are things that will just trigger those reminders that will have us or put us in a position to have to address it on site and we just address it. And so we address it with love, we address it with understanding and we move forward. And listen, if you can't address it, then you can go see a therapist. And so you can really address it for real if you can't move forward after you've, you've addressed it with your partner. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a day by day process, but being open, um, when you've gone through healing, it's just being healthy, right? You're just in a healthy space to kind of move through. Times past, if he had done something like that, listen, I probably would have popped off, cussed him out, and um, <laughs> sent him on his way. I'm just being honest. I tell people I'm a, a reformed cussing Christian. I used to be a horrible <laughs> cursor. Um, but I was funny when I cursed. I'm not as funny anymore because I don't curse anymore. But when I cursed, I was hilarious. But I, when I was pissed, oh, goodness, I could string some curse words together. So I probably would have cursed him out and sent him on his merry way because you tend to um, have a fight or flight response when you're triggered. 
and I was a flighter. And so I would be like, I'm done, get out. I don't want to deal with it anymore. We're finished, we're through. Uh, so I just don't have that response anymore because I have gone through the process of healing, but it is a day by day and I don't want to communicate um, lies or a sense of perfection because it's just, it's process, it's life. And you just have to be willing uh, to go through it and find the right person to go through it with. That's that's vital. Yes, I, I love what you're saying about self-worth. Just even constantly repeating that self-worth, self-worth. So many people who do go through divorce or even those who have never been in a marriage or relationship that was significant, a lot of times the issue is recognizing their self-worth. And I think that a lot of what you're saying makes so much sense because not only are you recognizing whatever qualities that you desire in someone else, but you're also focusing on what things you have to work on. You know, like what what things could have been different in your response to some of the difficulties you've had in your first marriage? And it sounds like to me that you've even redefined how you respond to things that you don't like or things that trigger you, which is great. Um, and then I would just ask, like for those who are struggling with finding their self-worth outside of just truly healing, what other things can you say to encourage somebody? I had a lady write in and she said, you know, I've been divorced. My ex-husband is now remarried. We ended in our marriage because of him. And I, th I just think it's unfair. And she said she's having a hard time coming to terms with recognizing what is beautiful about her or what qualities would attract someone else. And she is just like at a loss. Like, what do I need to do to find love again when I am not the one who wanted out of the initial marriage? Did, did she say how old she was? No, she didn't. Because I, I think it can be harder. Like if you're 50 years old and this happened, you know, or 55, much more difficult because, you know, you, your younger days are behind you exactly. and you feel like, oh, maybe no one's going to want me anymore. But I still feel like, no, there's love for you. But I wonder sometimes if there's some work that that person needs to do within themselves. I always say I feel like sometimes true love is hiding from you until you're ready to receive it. So maybe there's something that God is just sitting back waiting like, hey, there's this this one thing that I need you to get together before I send you your Prince Charming or whomever that will be. And maybe people aren't really seeing their part. Maybe they're just looking at it in a in a almost a victimized way versus like, OK, there's ways that I could have done things differently as well, whether it was your response to being frustrated or what have you. That is so, oh goodness, let me tell you, um, you both touched on such profound statements. Let me just say, that was a struggle of mine. Uh, when I finally filed for divorce, I said, listen, you have stole all of my youth. Who in the world is gonna wa want me at this age with four kids in tow? I was angry. Let me tell you, that angered me more than anything. And people would say, oh, well, Winter, you're educated, you're beautiful, blah, blah. I'm still I'm still over 30 here and I still have four kids. And so you get that stigma that so many single moms is why I have a passion for them more specifically, um, especially ones that are divorced or who, who have been in long term relationships that have ended or even short terms. Um, there's such a stigma that we, we're somehow less than because we have kids. And I'm like, no, actually, my kids are the cherry on top. Like they're 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 the icing on the cake. Um, as far as I'm concerned, but it really takes a level of boldness and understanding within yourself. Worthiness just means you're worth it. I know I'm worth it. I'm worth it. Even on my worst day, I'm still worth it. 
And so when you understand that from a place deep within, there is nothing or no one that can rob you of that. And so, yes, it's difficult for us. I get a lot of that, too. A lot of women who have never been married before and they're in their 40s and 50s and they feel like time is running out. And I say, you know, really relationships and love is only a matter of time and opportunity. But as long as you stay in a place of unworthiness or feeling like, you know, you're running out of time, it's like a watch pot that never boils. And you really have to be in an open place to allow love to come into your life. Otherwise, you will repel it. And sometimes we repel love unknowingly, subconsciously, because we're not really as open as we believe we are because we lack healing, because we have low self-worth, because we refuse to have a period of introspection. I had to own that while I might may not have contributed to the, you know, the total reason of my divorce, there were some areas that winter sucked at. I'm just going to be honest. Like there was some self-reflection and I had to really own the fact that maybe I needed to improve in, in this area as a wife. Maybe I could have stood to be a better listener. If I made a decision to stay in a relationship or my marriage, did I give 100%? Did I really make an honest attempt to walk in forgiveness and walk in love? And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I was horrible about that. I wasn't really wanting to stay. I just didn't want to leave. <laughs> and that that's a different that attitude, sense. right? Wow. You're not really yeah. committed. You're not really committed in that mind space. You just you're just afraid of what's next. And so it's easier to stay. It's easier to suck it up and deal with it because I don't want to embrace starting over. I'm afraid of what's next. I have a fear of the unknown. And so those are things I had to own. And the better we become at owning our own journey, owning our own truth, I'm a truthful person. I'm probably truthful to a fault. People probably hear some of the stuff I say and are like, why in the world does she just say that? Because it is the truth that sets us free. And I refuse to be bound to a lie to accommodate my own um, unhealing, to accommodate my own unhappiness, to accommodate my own uh, victimization. And so I didn't want to partner in being victimized anymore. I really wanted to partner in winter, creating the best winter and the best life that I could create for not only myself, but my children. And so I think to the to the lady that probably struggles with that, I would really just ask her, is she worth it? Does she believe that she's worth it? I don't care how old she is. You could be 60. My mom is, it will be 60 next year. And I love to say this. My mom divorced after 27 years of marriage. She's my greatest inspiration and in why I do all that I do. 27 years of marriage. She married at 19 as well. And so 27 years, uh, she gave her life to my dad. My dad was a pastor, no less. Uh, we had a church, operating church. My dad just decided he didn't want to be married one day. And so not only did my dad decide that he not he didn't want to be married, my mom also woke up to no car, house was foreclosed on, um, her retirement was completely cleaned out. Like she went from being a fully retired money in the bank woman to cleaning houses. And I'm thankful at the time that my ex-husband was playing in the NFL, we were able to step up and help her financially. But this was literally her life at 50, you know, early 50 years old or 50, I think at the time, 50 years old. Could you imagine you, you've wow. done all you needed to do. You saved up, you've worked and you, you, you're living your best life in retirement. Those, you are, go back. That, those are the years that you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm good. These I'm are supposed to be my best years. <laughs> right. And you're cleaning toilets to make ends meet. And so I look at her today. She's not remarried. She's dated. 
But my mom is probably as happy and as joyful as I've ever known her to be. My mom went back to school at 53 years old. She graduated with a pre-law degree. She has a bachelor's of pre-law. She's living on her own for the first time ever in her life. She never, she went from her parents' house to being married. She's living on her own, paying her own way, bought her own car. And I'm telling you, she lost everything. Wow. And she moved from, moved from Jonesboro, Arkansas, which is not a very big town, okay, to Washington, D.C. area with us to restart her life. And she just makes me proud. She is everything that I believe a woman who has, you know, gone through it and been put through it, but come out on the on the other side shining. My mom spoils her grandkids, loves her grandkids. She lives her own life. She's not at my house all the time. People like to think that, and she's just not. My mom has started her life over, and she's just such a, a an encouragement because. Just because it looks bad, it doesn't have to end bad. You just have to be willing to do the work and put in the work. She went to therapy for the first time ever in life. Um, when she moved up here, we got her into therapy. She did the work and she is lit. When I say living it, living, living it. My mom got her passport. She traveled out of the country. Like, I'm just like, yes. wow, that is what I'm talking about. And so, the only excuses that apply are the ones that you accept. So stop making excuses and start living your life. You're not too old. You're not, you know, too broken. You're not too used. There's nothing that you have gone through that is just too hard. We yeah. just have the ability to create whatever life we want to create. That's the great thing about humanity is that we have the ability. It's just being willing to have the desire and put in the work. And so it's possible. Love is possible. You just have to be open and, yeah. and be willing to not give up on that. And that's, that's really what my mom exemplified to me and what I've, I've modeled uh, for myself. And we've both just seen success in it. It works. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. No, this has been great. I'm like, at this point, we need a part two. If people walk away from this episode and they don't get something that's going to really push and uplift them, I don't know whatever testimony they need to hear. I mean, you're testifying for yourself, your ex-husband, and your mom. I mean, it was like... We're seeing all aspects of it. And before we go, I do want to also say this is what's really crazy about this whole situation is that Chris and I did work with your now husband, Kevin Williams, and he is an amazing person. He actually helped us. We have the Chris Samuels Foundation years ago when Chris was yeah. still playing. And we met Kevin because we both went to a church yeah. in Maryland and he helped us to organize a tour called My Brother's Keeper, where we went and Chris spoke to different high schools in the inner city communities in D.C., speaking to them about looking out for themselves and looking out for each other. And it was great to see Kevin in that element because he really inspired us. We were all feeding off of each other's energy. So when I saw that you posted that y'all were married, I was like, oh, my God, I know you. I'm like, is that Kevin? <laughs> he, he is an awesome man because he would even tell me the stories how, you know, he would work with gang members and gang leaders and trying to, you know, be a role model to them. And even talking to the leaders, how they can be a role model, change their life and stuff like that. So, I mean, he was a great influence and, you know, just a great person to meet back in the day. So, I'm so happy for you guys. And I'm sitting back listening to the story, your story, actually. And, you know, I'm wondering how do you have all of this strength, even though it was a tough process, you went through it. But I see where you get it from. Your mom is strong and she's been through a lot. So, you know, you, you all are blessed and I'm proud of you. Yes. Allie, do you have anything else before we start giving some tips? 
I mean, I just really appreciate you sharing your story. And as Chris said, right, like your mom is incredibly strong and and you're raising incredibly strong kids. I mean, you're being the role model to them that your mom is to you. And I and I think that's amazing. So thank you so much for sharing Thank you so much for having me. And let me just say, I think my husband is amazing. I, I just want to speak. You mentioned having a list. I had a list for a long time after I got divorced and I went through a bad relationship and threw my list in the trash uh, because clearly my list wasn't working for me. <laughs> and so back in December, I'm so serious. Now I had already known Kevin. We've known each other a little bit over a year now. Um, so I'd already knew him, but we just weren't dating or even interested. We were just connected through business, but I had rewrote my list in December of 2019. Uh, I wrote this list. And I just was like very heavy on like character. I wanted a person that had good character, good integrity. Um, that was a man of faith. Um, I was kind of stickler on the height. He had to be like five, 10.5 and higher. Um, and I'm short, but I like tall men. So I was like, okay, Lord, can I be a little bit vain on this? Like five point five, 10.5. Uh, but um, other than that, I really stuck to my guns about just being a good quality, kind person. And that is Kevin. The only thing that I've always had on my list that I left off was age. And I'm telling you, I said, Lord, you are so funny. He gave me everything. And I do meet everything on my list. But the one thing I left off with, which was age and Kevin is older than I am. But I was telling my girlfriend just yesterday, and I can say this, my husband's going to laugh when he watches this replay. I was like, girl, I was sleeping on older men because listen here. This has been like the best uh, relationship, hands down, that I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, but he, uh, I mean, he probably just spoils me rotten. But um, other than that, he's just kind. He has a kind heart. And it's nice when you meet someone that reflects your kindness. And I, I don't think I'm a rude person. I try to be very kind. It's the Southern uh, hospitality in me. I, I like to present kindness to people. And he's just very kind hearted. And so it's just been nice to meet someone that that reflects kind of your whole soul. And so I'm grateful for it. Grateful, grateful. Um, and it's just been a, a wonderful experience for us. So thank you guys for the well wishes. We're grateful for that. Yeah, this has been a great episode. I mean, you covered a lot of my questions without me even having to ask. Like, it just flowed so naturally. This was great. I gathered just a couple of tips for the people that are listening based off of the conversation today that I thought stood out to me and that were very important. So tip one would be therapy. Definitely get therapy. There's nothing wrong with it. And keep it ongoing. Even after you're married, Chris and I advocate about seeing a therapist all the time. I think there's a stigma against it, especially in the black community, but it is so important and it's so therapeutic to have somebody to just be able to pour out and have that outlet and to understand you and maybe even translate what you're trying to say in a different way to your spouse. Having that whole uh, fellowship together, it means so much. My second tip would be to be mindful I love when you said this, be mindful of who you are allowing your kids to attach to. I thought that was incredible. Um, number three, forgive. If you cannot find forgiveness, it's hard to move forward. It's hard. And we can even see just how radiant you are, even as you tell the story that you found true forgiveness and that you've truly moved on and you've truly healed and you've committed to that healing. My number four tip would be communication, making sure that you address those triggers and those concerns with your new spouse or new uh, relationship so that they understand that I've had a lot of hurt and this is what I've been through. And these are some of the things that trigger me. 
and being real about it. And I think the most important of all, number five, have no fear. Have no fear. Just be open, be vulnerable, allow yourself to be in that place. And if something does happen and you are hurt again, take the lesson from that and move on and be bold and continue to grow and continue to move forward. So I thought this was amazing. Um, did anybody have any confession? So we normally do a confession. I like, you already confessed when you said that when your ex was in a relationship and you were like, you know, I felt some type of way. I thought that was a bold statement to make. And I think a lot of people do feel that at times and they don't feel comfortable expressing it and saying it out loud. So I love that you said that. I'm just honest and I'm real. I'm not going to hide anything. I don't sense a line about it. And I think uh, we just need to give people permission to be honest and truthful. And we talk about people being fake. Well, give them, them the permission to be real. And we kind of shut them down when people are real. So, yeah, that's I'll leave that as my confession. True story. Yes. Allie, do you have anything? I think that's a great confession. And I think you're people who are watching and listening, you're allowing them to feel that way, too, which is OK. And it, it is OK. Yes. I think my confession will be, look. I ain't going nowhere. But if he ever decided to leave me, I'm taking something with me. I'm going to chop it off. <laughs> A souvenir. <laughs> oh, you know me. I'm always going to cut up. But my confession is, first off, we're not getting divorced. And I told Monique this earlier. I said, the only way... You know, we would get divorced if Monique simply just didn't want to be with me anymore. She wanted to be with somebody else. There's nothing else I can do with that. You no. can fight for me. I'm not going to fight for you or you fight for them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, at the end of the day, um, you know, we can work through anything. And, yeah. and, and that's what I feel, you know, as long as we're both committed to that point. But, you know, like I said, if, if she's, you know, wants to go somewhere else and I can't do anything about that. Yeah, if he tried to trade me in for a 20 year old, we're going to have some issues. Yeah. <laughs> I can barely keep up with you. I don't need no 20 year old. <laughs> but but one, one thing I, I know we got to go. One thing I will say, too, that I really admire you giving your kids a voice and letting them have their opinion. Because a lot of times as adults, we shut them down. We want to do what we want to do. We want to be selfish. And I admire both of you guys, even your your ex, you know, as far as, you know, just giving them a voice. And I think that's very important. Yes. So I do want to do a moment of silence. I'm going to give a moment of silence to the ones who recognize their self-worth, have gone through the process of healing, and are open and ready for love. Absolutely. Okay. And before we go... I do want to say, make sure that you subscribe to our Not For Lazy Moms YouTube channel. Make sure you visit our website at notforlazymoms.com. And Winter, please tell people where they can find you on social media and if you have a website. Absolutely. You can connect with me on IG or Facebook. It's The Winter Williams. Or you can go to thewinterharris.com. It will transfer over to The Winter Williams in the next two weeks. But for now, thewinterharris.com, the eventually thewinterwilliams.com. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. We're going to definitely have you back. <laughs> I know that the listeners are very excited. I feel that everyone, I hope that everyone feels like they have been re-energized and they're ready to find love again. So y'all take care until next week. We are out.